welcome back to One for the Road with Sarah and crew. And today I have my most favorite crew member here, my husband, Trey. Hello. And today we are going to try and uh, plug through seven different short segments. So this is going to be like a speed round of One for the Road. And the first segment is... 50 cents. And so this is advice from people over 50. And I know you have probably lost... I'm well over 50. <laughs> but you probably lost some sleep over this, haven't you? Thinking about what advice you can give. <laughs> There's so such a wealth of knowledge I can impart. Okay, so do you have any words of wisdom for the generations that follow ours? Nothing huge is hitting me at the time. Like right now, if you put a gun to my head, I'd have a hard time coming up with something brilliant in light of everything that's going on in the world. Right. That's why we're keeping this light. Yeah. Okay. I would just Let's say, roll. just let it roll, and then you can edit out all the good parts. <laughs> okay. And just leave the stuff that makes me look like an imbecile. That might be the best way to go about this. All right. So, I'm just going to start. Maybe... My incredible words of advice will inspire you. Yes. Okay, so I used to watch Oprah 25 years ago when I was nursing Audrey. I would watch Oprah on a regular basis, and she had a doctor on one time that was speaking about how to compliment someone. And I have never forgotten it, and I know I've mentioned it to you over the years. And it basically is saying that when you compliment someone, instead of saying, for example, Trey, I like that shirt, or I love that shirt, what is that telling you? That's saying, I like your shirt. It doesn't say anything about you. And instead, you should say, Trey, that shirt looks great on you. You wear that color well. Um, where'd you get that shirt? It looks great on you. Those are some examples of telling that person that obviously you like the shirt or you wouldn't have brought it up, but it's... Or you're acknowledging or you're attaching some of your own enlightenment to the fact that you can understand or see that they put a lot of effort into whatever it is they put together to wear. So that is a greater compliment. Instead of saying, I like your shirt, that just is talking about what I like. It's like a me. It's like... I'm telling you what I like. It says nothing about you. I think one of my big bits of advice for anybody younger than me would be to always wear sunscreen. That's the advice you're giving? No. The other one I was going to say is don't ever put too much confidence in a fart. What? <laughs> oh, now that is really profound. That's from Grandpa Sheehan. Okay, so. so one of the things that I was not supposed to do and some of the best advice I ever got was not to interrupt people. So let's go backwards. Go back to what I was saying yeah, about I the really doctor that I heard. Yes. The doctor I heard on Oprah. Yes. So basically, to all the people that are younger, the generations that have come after are what are we the um, Gen X? They're Generation X. We are. Yeah. Mm. So this is to the millennials, the Gen Y, Gen I. And then even the little alphas, those are like the one-year-olds to seven-year-olds. 
when you compliment someone, make it about them. You think that a one, one through seven year old someday <laughs> is going to dig up this little podcast and go, now that is narcissism. No. In its truest sense, right? right. There. I'm talking to parents teaching. Oh. Teaching their children. Oh, okay. It's really a great practice. It makes both parties involved feel good. Didn't that make you feel good when I said that that shirt and that color? That's a great color on you? No, I didn't give it a lot of thought. I don't know. Does it make me feel good? Yeah, when I say that's a great shirt. That shirt looks great on you. It's a great color. You wear that well. I don't yeah. know how to think about that. I don't. Might be too early in the morning for you. It might Maybe be. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, that's okay, let's move on. My grandfather to... used to get pieces cut off of his ears. Like as he got older and they got longer, they shortened them up. They he had no them. ears left when he died. Your grandpa. No, he had ears. They just were shorter. Pieces and parts. They were the size of when I met him, originally. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the F word. Your favorite word. Okay, so I always thought... Our parents aren't even baby boomers now that I'm looking at this chart. <laughs> Our parents are actually the silent generation, which is absolutely the farthest thing from the truth. Honey, we're on the F word. I understand. Why the fuck aren't we talking about the generations chart? Because right now we're on the F word. Let's well, stay That's a perfect on... segue. Oh, yeah, but he... Okay. What is that segue? Well, our parents wouldn't use the F word. Because uh, they were part of the silent do. generation. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. The baby so. boomers would. And they taught their kids to use it. And those kids would be us. But you barely made the Generation X side of the thing. I'm almost a baby boomer? Well, you kind of like transcend both. You're like kind of oh, a foot and bowl. So you were probably conceived during... 66. Yeah. Well, 65 is the last. Yeah, right. Okay. Let's stay on topic. Okay. The F word. You didn't think I was going to stay on topic, did you? I mean, you're doing this because of my spontaneity, which is what makes you so crazy about me and so crazy because of me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I always thought that the F word stood for either for unlawful carnal knowledge or fornication under the king. But as I did some research, I found out... Actually derived from the Latin. I found out that, yeah, it, uh, to strike. Fuck, fuckery. Fucky, fuck to him. <laughs> no, I found out that um, acronyms were not used until the 20th century, and until after the automobile. It's highly unlikely that there were any words formed as acronyms before the automobile, basically. Mm -hmm. And so, that is false. I think it's derived from a Latin term, if I remember correctly. It goes back to, like, F-A-C, F-A-C-E, something. Facke, Facere, Facke, Facere, something like that. No, I disagree. Hmm. I found that it was a combination. And because it's actually a noun and a verb, there's probably going to be several different derivations. It can be any part of speech. I Absolutely understand. any part of speech. I understand, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll have people look it up. No, we have people. I We are people. I know. Yeah. But I don't think it's Latin. 
Okay, I know you're gonna get on your phone. No, 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 no. First, first, on topic, let's play a very old game mm -hmm. called Mary Fuck Kill. Okay? Okay. So, if you agree to play. Did you hear the bird whistle right at that moment? I did. So, if you agree, agree to play. I agree. You have to use all three people that I give you. Yeah. And you have to state who you will marry, who you will fuck, and who you will kill. Yeah. Okay? So naughty. You're Do you have three for me? Three names? Sure. Okay, I have three for you. Okay. Oh, they're good ones. Okay, ready? Uh, these are the three. Hillary Clinton, Martha Stewart, and Whoopi Goldberg. Just, do you want me to go, or do you want me to give you yours? No. So you can think about it. No, no, no. You go. Uh, definitely going to marry Martha Stewart, because I think I might have married Martha Stewart. <laughs> they used to call me Sarah Stewart. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I definitely would kill Hillary Rodham Clinton, because Lord knows she's done plenty of that to others. And no, that's not fair. Okay, no. Well, it's no. unsubstantiated, so I'm not allowed to talk that okay, way, or you, you just don't want me to get political. I don't want you to get political. Go ahead. So, that means you would... Definitely fuck Whoopi, Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg, because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it gotcha. above board right here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All the black women that I've dated <laughs> were absolutely crazy in bed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Am, am I or am I out of having to explain myself? No, that's no. good. Okay. You answered. You played okay. the game. All right. Okay. Mary yeah. Kill, Sarah Booker, Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson. Spider Man. Uh huh. And Superman. Superman. Mm -hmm. Spider Man. There's only one non superhero in there. All three of them are cartoon characters. What's the difference? Okay. This is my so, this is my list, not yours. Okay. You get to pick. So you know. Can we go back? I'll, I'll go back and pick. No, no, Cindy no. Cindy no. Crawford, <laughs> uh, Renee Zellweger, and uh, uh, who else? Geez, I don't know. Um, I can't pick another one. Okay, so I have to answer. Here I go. Um, I would definitely fuck Superman. Yeah. I would marry Spider-Man. That sounds sticky. How cool would that be to marry Spider-Man as Spider-Man? Now let me just back you up Wait. here. What is your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? Of what? Oh, spiders. Oh. Yeah. And you would marry Spider-Man? I would. Okay, I put a lot of thought into this. I spent a week thinking about what names I'm going to come up with here. And you chose to marry uh -huh. the one thing this that you're most scared of. Fears, Trey. You well, think? what? The, so your therapist would probably tell you that you ended up marrying Spider-Man. I'm uh -huh. just saying. Go ahead. Okay. Right. And then, of course, kill Bart Simpson. You'd kill Bart Simpson. Yeah. Okay. His voice is just so annoying. <laughs> okay. That was the F word. See how quick that was? All right, the next segment is the lost art of social crisis. And let's see, we've already touched on 
thank you notes and giving up your seat for elders. So as far as social graces, what do you think? Holding doors. That's a good one. So parents uh, listening, teach your children to hold doors, yeah. common courtesy. Yeah, the children should, I think it actually we've gone beyond the point where you need to worry about whether or not the man should hold the door for a woman. We have? I think so. I don't think so. I think every door that is held for a woman receives a smile. Don't you? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that says a lot in our society today when people are walking around in their own world, caught up in their own... Yeah, but don't you think that when I go and grab the door for you, if, if we're getting into a car, there are times that people think that maybe it's patronizing? No. I really don't. I mean, there might be sometimes, but... What I do I normally say when you're getting in and I've gotten the door for you? You say, get your big butt in. <laughs> Always keeping it real here. <laughs> but still, it's the act itself, Trey. You, you open the door for me. Yeah. I always hold doors for Sometimes people. you push me in, but... You <laughs> or push you down. Okay, so another social grace that I think... I don't... I was thinking about this. I don't know where we learned it, but walking, keeping right. Walking on the right side of a staircase, the hallway, the airport, wherever you are. Where did that come from? How I think did we learn it? I don't know, but I think everything has been designed around that, so... I. You know, if I go back to even my earliest days of grade school and high school, I went to a school where kids going down always stayed to the outside or the right, and kids coming up stayed to the inside or the right. And I think that has to do with probably the way that our street system is designed. You know, we stay, we drive on the right, only the British drive on the left. And I think that probably comes from years and years ago. And, and I think there's another issue too. Uh, as we've evolved, it used to be that when a man and a woman were walking down the street, the man was always on the roadside, but they would still pass others port to port. And that, that may even go back to nautical days. I mean, that could go back as far as the British Navy and you know Port Starboard and going back to origins of military etiquette which also goes into sailboat racing today which you know, that's a whole different subject but so if everybody teaches their children to walk on the right just imagine how much easier it would be to walk through an airport because I feel like people our age and say, our kids that we've taught to stay right or walk right, when, they're, when there's a group of people that aren't doing that, that but isn't doing that, yeah. then it kind of causes that congestion. But so which I wonder, side is would it you just pass on if you're coming up behind somebody? Um, you mean walking? Yeah. I pass on their left. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly I go around how them. you do it. Yeah, that's... 
that's how things go. And I think I learned it. I think we had to learn it in school because we had a double, you know, two-story school building. Yeah, so we were taught we to... had a six-story building, and I think the one of the easy issue is there, if you're climbing, you have less steps to take to get to the sixth floor. Probably by if you're a on whole the extra set of stairs. Yeah, if you're on the right. If you're on the inside. Yeah. Conversely, going down, it's a lot easier, and if you fall, I'm guessing you don't take out a bunch of people, but... Yeah, I mean, I find myself walking through an airport going, why aren't people walking right? Walk right, walk right. Don't you? They might be from Great Britain. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Okay. That was a quick segment, and now we are on to what you watching. And this, Craig gave me a look because basically I think your question should be, Trey, what... What am I not watching? Yeah, what are you not watching? Because Tracian stays up into the wee hours of the morning watching. I watch a lot of stuff. And we do have a couple things that we watch together that we can't jump ahead on, right? Mm-hmm. Our favorite. My favorite is Peaky Blinders, but it's not what I'm watching right now. Unfortunately, we're in between seasons. Yeah, I talked about that in our first podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I know. But what, what are we watching? What do we love that's back out now? Outlander. Yes, Outlander. Some time travel. Period piece. Talk about why we like Outlander. Well, I'm a history buff, and so watching anything that jumps back in time, whether it's you know Scottish Gaelic history and jumping into the American Revolution, and then pushing into modern day, you know, civil rights and that sort of thing, it's very interesting. I always say everything I learned in history, I learned from you. I don't know where I was in high school during history, but I was not paying attention. Hmm. So it is, it. it's a little bit about time travel. It's the the uh, costumes are amazing. What else? Why else do we like Outlander? I don't know. I, I'm, I, I wonder sometimes because it's now gotten to that point where they're finding it harder and harder to keep people engrossed in it. Yeah, true. And so I think they're grasping at some kind of need to keep themselves. I'm, I'm guessing that at some point they're going to have some either racial or there's got to be a war or something because the drama is slowing down. So, but what has the series made us think about doing? Where do we want to go? I'd like to go to Scotland. Yeah, so it takes place in Scotland. It's, it originates, yeah. Yeah, originates in Scotland, and there are these, uh, in the town of Culloden, which are known for these stones that they have no idea where they came from, these uh, big, kind of like... Um, well, and I think Stonehenge like Stonehenge. plays a role in that, because, you know, the whole, why are they there? Right. So they time, time travel portal. through these stones, and they are actual stones that are in Scotland. Someday, we'll make it there. Well, don't you feel like you've actually... Been there? Well, that, you, that you've actually traveled through some time. Uh, 
You mean because we were watching Outlander? No. No, I think... <laughs> don't you think that you've lived a couple of lives already? I do. I definitely do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not that being married to me might triple Just or the 80s quadruple in your itself. experience of having to put up with. But I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, there's generations worth of experience that definitely. seems innate. So because we've been sequestered and doing our part as uh, social distancing, we watched, we have watched a lot lately. And what did we watch last night? The Green Mile. I had never seen it. And it's timely because uh, we just saw Forrest Gump came down with uh, coronavirus. And as I'm watching that show, which has Tom Hanks as the lead character. All-star all -star cast, really. A really terrific cast. Michael Duncan, who uh, plays the gentle giant John Coffey. And he, uh, strangely enough, did that movie at... Probably 38 or 39 years old. Is the movie 20 years old? The movie was done in 99, so it's 21 wow. years old. Tom Hanks was 43. Coffee was 53 when he died, I think, in 2012. And my big problem is that I've got to be pretty frustrating to watch a movie with, but I'll stop things and then I go look the character up and figure out how the actor ended up getting to a point where he ends up being the lead in a movie with that many fantastic actors. Um, but John Coffey's, the actor is actually Michael Duncan, who died of a heart attack at 52 or 53 years old. And the quick sidebar on him is he was engaged to Amorosa, who was on The Apprentice, and I believe... Amorosa? You mean Donald Trump's Donald, Amorosa? Donald Trump's Amorosa that oh. worked in the White House, actually, as an advisor at some point. But there's some scandal behind it because she actually uh, may have manipulated him while he was incapacitated. He had like a month and a half that he was lingering in um, after a heart attack. And uh, the... Well, bottom line is got off a little bit off on subject. Just a little bit. Two of the main characters actually died in their 50s, sadly. So it was written by Stephen King. I didn't know that. It is a Stephen King. Yeah. And uh, Stephen King wrote, wrote the story, but it was adapted screenplay by somebody else. And interestingly enough, um, you know, it's, it's got a dual perspective and the main character, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody that might go back and watch this three, three hour hours. and 15 yes. minute long movie. Um, fantastic movie. But it, it has a whole bunch of uh, interesting ties in with, you know, human nature and healing powers and mystical stuff and Stephen King because I've never it's really read many movie. of his yeah I've never really read many of his books but he's got so much of that uh, supernatural stuff going on so very often and I'm not a big Stephen King fan because I don't like the supernatural but they're so well written that uh, ends up being a great movie a great story just like the series we recently watched by Stephen King called the The Outsider with Justin Bateman right. Um, ten episodes, or eight or ten episodes. Yeah. So it's a mini-series. It's called The Outsider. It is great. But it is supernatural, and a third 
And I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know it was a Stephen King. And the third episode, I went, oh, no, this is supernatural. I don't want to watch it. But the writing is so good. We plugged through it, and it was, ended up being a, a great series. They never really brought any of the mystical stuff up in the trailers, which I think no. was probably to suck you in. Because right. Because if I had known that there was any of that mystic bullshit, yeah. I probably wouldn't have watched it. They really, you know, all of these stations now, all these uh, super uh, powerhouse movie companies like HBO and Showtime are pulling people like Jason Bateman. Everybody's waiting for Ozark to come out and... Because he was in this, they put the very best scenes in there. As he's one of the lead characters, they put the best scenes in there to suck you in. And by, before you know it, you're... You're hooked. Yeah. You've wasted another four hours watching the end of it. Yeah. Okay, I know this is going to be a short, short segment, but this is Kabuli, Sex and Food. Oh, Taboo Lee, I see what you did there. You get it? I get it. Uh-huh. So, Sex and Food. Yeah. So are there any foods, Tracian, that you think would be natural aphrodisiacs? M&M's. <laughs> okay. Just the green ones? Oreos. <laughs> Wait, remember when we were little? Yeah. They, they said yeah. the green M&M's make you horny? Mm -hmm. Anybody remember that? I remember that. So I'm gonna... <laughs> That was a Generation X thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, M&M's, what, what else did you say? Uh, Oreos. Oreos. This is good. Yeah. This is really good. No oysters or... No. Raw tuna. No. No. None of that. No. You ha we have M&M's and Oreos. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about things that make me horny. Uh, Foods that would be an aphrodisiac? Yes. I, I don't... Like dark chocolate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like any... Uh, you know, dark, we'll, dark, I'll take M&M's and Oreos. Yeah, dark chocolate is my thing. You're a cheap date, then. I am. Yeah. Okay, drives me crazy. Drives you crazy. Telemarketers. Telemarketers. And how ironic. What Isn't kind of company uh, do you own, Trey? I have a telesales and collection call center slash... Business process outsourcing business. And telemarketers drive you crazy. Okay. All day long. Yep. What else? Not my telemarketers, but the people who dial me all day long. What else? Junk mail. Junk mail? Mm hmm Wait, that's a waste, yep. Total waste. Politicians. They're all full of shit. Uh-huh. What else? Littering makes me crazy. Agreed. I've actually gotten out of my car at a stoplight when I see somebody throw a cigarette out their window and walked up to the window and asked them if they thought that that was biodegradable or if that, that was acceptable. I actually saw a guy empty his ashtray at a light and I went and picked up the cigarette butts and I put them in his back window. Yeah, I think it should be, there should be stiffer fines for littering. And I think we also should have more. Why doesn't America have like the CCTV that a Great Britain has? You give up a lot of your personal liberties when you start looking at tape recording or, or videoing or recording everything you see. But yeah, I mean, for that purpose, why not? I mean, maybe you should be allowed to knock out somebody's brake light or headlamp if you see them litter. That's a good trade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why not? 
That's brilliant. Yeah, just kick it right in. A little bit of violence. Yeah. Uh-huh. Aggression. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they won't litter again. <laughs> it only takes one time. How about treating it like a speeding, a traffic ticket? Well, I can't write it. And the police, the police can't be bothered to continue writing those tickets. Yeah. There aren't enough of them. This is something we agree on, isn't it? We agree on most things. We do? Yeah. No, we don't. I think littering is a big one. Littering is definitely a big one. Okay. The next segment is addiction. And I've thought a lot about this. I've touched a teeny bit of just mentioning that I was going to do a segment on addiction. And I'm still uh, working on that. I have to take some time and work out exactly uh, my approach. So, on that note, we're going to jump right into quote of the day. So, my quote of the day is the serenity prayer. And I guess I am assuming that everybody knows this prayer, um, but maybe not. But this has become a part of my life in the last 17 months, and I say it on a daily basis. I have it now framed two different locations in our house. And it is so powerful, and it can be rela related to absolutely any aspect of everyone's life. And you can take the word God out of it or leave it in it. And I'm just going to leave it in it for today. And this is the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It is so powerful and so true. Okay, and your quote, Trey? I was thinking about this and I thought it was timely to, uh, because of the holiday coming up Tuesday, the most important holiday of the year, St. Patrick's Day, that I would find something and I thought I was going to look through your book, and then I found a real simple one. Hey, I found out that I was 12% or 11% Irish yeah. on our DNA test. Right. I, didn't, I never knew that. Yeah. There was a lot of Eastern European in there, though. Yeah. So I have a little bit Irish. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, a anyway, little bit Irish. Anyway, the quote, the quote from St. Patrick is, I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. And that is actually in a very terrific book. Who's the called, author? Uh, well... Sarah Booker and Audrey Sheehan did a book called Quotes About Boats, Lakes, Seas, and the Shore. And I just happened to find it when I was looking for quotes. Now, who's the author of the quote? St. Patrick. Oh, okay. Okay, and lastly, love in your land. What to do in Cleveland. So, here's my question. When was the last time you drove through a cemetery? Um, I was in New Orleans in November, and I did a cemetery, a graveyard tour with my son, and it was amazing. And it reminded me a lot of Lakeview Cemetery here in Cleveland. 
Uh, in New Orleans, they call their graveyards cities of the dead because they look like miniature cities because, of course, in New Orleans, all the graves are above ground, all the tombs are, so they have these enormous, like, teeny miniature little houses that are their tombs. But if you go to Lakeview Cemetery here in Cleveland, they also have incredibly designed tombs. And there are about nine miles worth of roads in Lakeview Cemetery. Actually, when we went in a couple years ago, we actually couldn't find our way out. We kind of got lost. That's how big Lakeview Cemetery is. And here's a little... When the rescuers finally got us, though. Yeah, we were, yeah. They brought food. <laughs> Griffin was starving. Um, so here's the trivia question that I always ask. Trivia. What famous people are buried in Lakeview Cemetery? What famous people? Okay, John D. Rockefeller, Elliot Ness, and James A. Garfield all are buried in Lakeview Cemetery right here in Cleveland. So on the next sunny day, take a drive to Lakeview Cemetery. I think Garfield, Garfield Lane and Bratnall was named after James Garfield. Trey, do you have a favorite place in Cleveland that doesn't cost anything? Uh, we have terrific uh, parks here. The Metro parks are fantastic. Rocky River is one of my favorite. Edgewater is obviously terrific. Um, the towpath, you can go ride bikes in there. None of this costs anything if you're looking for things to do without having to spend any money. Yeah. I mean, Lake Erie is a fantastic resource. You just, you know, sometimes you're limited by the ability to get out on a boat. But I mean, what else do you need besides friendly people and fresh water? Right. Thank you, Trey, for helping me with one of my podcasts. You're welcome. This was fun. If you like.